Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello, welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you here today learning tractate Sukkah, page 54, or Nun Dalit. Yesterday was a page full of incredibly rich and uh, interesting lore, some of it a little mysterious. Today, uh, maybe a little bit less so. Today the focus is on the question, of, a quote-unquote historical question, of how many shofar blasts accompanied uh, the sacrifices in the temple on a given day, and why the Mishnah and the associated Baraitot count as they do. What are they omitting from their list? Is it 51? Is it 48? Is it 57? How do we how do we calculate the number of blasts on each day? I say quote unquote historical interest because truthfully, the rabbis also live you know hundreds of years after the temple is destroyed in most cases, and they have traditions, but they're mostly trying to figure out. Uh, how to read the Mishnah, and they have no direct access to an answer. And also, I don't personally expect the temple to be rebuilt any anytime soon. I think that'll be its own problems. So uh, the question itself of the blast is not hugely interesting, but there is something that's brought up in the course of this discussion that is at least of some practical halakhic consequence, and one literary point. In the course of these debates and, and how to you know, figure out the Mishnah and what it's including or excluding from its counting, we hear that Rabbi Acha Bar Hanina Ata Midroma Aiti Matnita Biade, that he came from the south and brought a, a, a Brighter or a Mishnah, you know, Tanaitic era teaching in his hands. And the teaching that he brought says that uh, they blew a separate set of shofar blasts for each additional Musaf offering. So if it was Rosh Chodesh, there was a set of blasts for the Rosh Chodesh Musaf and one for, if it was Rosh Chodesh and it was also Shabbat, uh, a special set of blasts for each of the Musafin. If it was, if it was uh, Chol HaMoed Sukkah, Sukkot, uh, then there would be a set of blasts for this uh, Musaf, etc. Now this position will in fact be refuted tomorrow, but what's interesting to me about it on a literary level is that, uh, first of all, he is reputed to come, quote, from the south. This is not totally unexampled, but it's pretty rare. Uh, in Babylonian texts, when people are described, they usually come from the west, meaning they come from Eretz Yisrael, and Rabbi Acha Bar Hanina is an Eretz Yisrael uh, authority, but I'm going to guess that what this means, and I'm, I must say I'm not 100% sure, I'm going to guess that what this means is that he comes from the south of Eretz Yisrael, and not only comes from the West, the Galilean uh, rabbinic heartland, but comes from Yehuda uh, or even a lower area, so, more southern area. And that's, I think, relatively uncommon in the uh, late late ancient period of those days. Maybe he comes from the area around Lud or something like that. Uh, so he brings this particular tradition. And most of the page today and some of it tomorrow will be devoted to refuting or rebutting his claim, because it would provide, if each Musaf had its own set of offerings, then it would, uh, it would skew the total number of shofar blasts in a given day, which is what our page is about, 
the number would have to be higher than the Mishnah actually accords. Way in the course of this, at the very bottom of the bet side of our page today, uh, we raise one of several objections that are brought against Rabbi Achabar Hanina, and we do so by uh, drawing an analogy, an analogy between the uh, the shofar blast and the psalms for the day, the given psalms recited. And it says down about five six lines up from the bottom of the bet side of our page, Metive. An, uh, an objection is brought from a Tanaitic text, Rosh Chodesh Shechal Lihiyot B'Shabbat, if the new month falls on a Shabbat, Shir Shel Rosh Chodesh, Doche Shir Shel Shabbat. The song of the song for the day for Rosh Chodesh, presumably it's Psalm 104 as we have nowadays, supersedes the song for Shabbat, Psalm 92. The Iita, but if Rabbi Achabar Hanina is right and each uh, each sacrifice gets its own ritual fanfare, that is to say, the shofar blasts. Presumably the same rule for the shofar blasts would be for the psalm, and so therefore you should not doche, should not supersede the song for Shabbat, you should recite them both. The Gemara goes on and says, Lema de Shabbat, but Lema de Rosh Chodesh. Say them both, say the Shabbat psalm, and say the Rosh Chodesh psalm. Uh, Amar Rav Safra, Rav Safra comes along to to at least provisionally defend Rabbi Achabar Hanina and says, "My doche, doche lekadem." No, when it says that the song for Rosh Chodesh supersedes the song for Shabbat, it doesn't mean that it cancels out and the Shabbat song is not recited. It merely means that the Rosh Chodesh psalm is said first. Now the Talmud raises another point against Rav Safra, and that is the point that I want to mention. As, as a, some contemporary halachic interest, Ligmara asks Rosafra, Am I tadir v'she'eno tadir, tadir kodem? But why should it be that the Rosh Chodesh psalm should, be, uh, should precede Shabbat? Because what, whatever is done more frequently comes before what is ever done less frequently. Tadir, the common, the, the ever-present, v'she'eno tadir, and something that is less common and less present, Tadir Kodem. The more common should come first. And our page will now go on and give an answer to that question, and it's, it's going to say to make sure that everybody recognizes that it's Rosh Chodesh. People don't always know. We have to make sure that people know. This phrase, though, that the Talmud mentions almost in passing, Tadir V'She'eno Tadir Kodem, that actually is a fairly significant halachic principle that could be handy for you. It has applications in any number of ways. It's why, for example, uh, people put on their talit, which is worn seven days a week, before their tefillin, which are usually only worn six days a week. It's why people make havdalah on Saturday night of Hanukkah before lighting candles, because we make havdalah 52 weeks a year, and we only light uh, Hanukkah candles once in a while, once one period a year. And it is a, a principle that emerges, is articulated any number of times in rabbinic literature, but is also found most explicitly in the Mishnah, in Tractate Zevachim, the tractate dealing with sacrifices, where it says, Kol hatadir mechavero, kodem et chavero. Whatever is more common than another thing uh, precedes that other thing. Hatmidim kodmin et hamusafin. It says there in, in the Mishnah and Zevachim. Uh, the daily offerings always pre precede the Musaf offerings. Musafei Shabbat kodmin the Musafei Rosh Chodesh. And the Shabbat offerings uh, precede the Rosh Chodesh offerings, etc. And it gives us a verse that explains this, a verse from, 
from Parshat Pinchas in, in the book Bamidbar, uh, mil, referring to the Rosh Hashanah offering, it says, Milvad Olat Haboker Asher Leolat HaTamid Ta'asu Et Eleh. The Rosh, the Rosh Hashanah special offering is, quote-unquote, besides the daily morning offering. And that tells you that the daily morning offering is done, and then Musaf is, as its name suggests, an addition. All this is interesting to me because we often find ourselves having to prioritize, uh, prioritize our ritual behavior. We can't do everything all at once, and sometimes you have to pick. Ideally, it doesn't mean... That, uh, that if you can only do one thing, that you should do the one that presents itself most often and let the other one get, not get done at all. There are any number of calculations, uh, you know, I think ethical calculations and aesthetic calculations that would enter into the conversation if you could only pick one thing to do. But if you find yourself with a couple of mitzvot before you, you, you can do them both and you're just trying to figure out which one to do first, then this is a handy principle. Sometimes halakha can be a little bit, you know, OCD, as you, you, you have to get every detail right. But I think this is actually a, a, a beautiful, poetic uh, thing to help us think about halakha. It's poetic in that it tells us the special is wonderful. Everybody likes vacation more than work. But actually, life is determined. I think life's value is often determined not by... The things that happen only once in a while, but the things that happen day in and day out and structure our lives. And I think that that's um, sort of the idea behind Tadir V'She'eno Tadir, Tadir Kodem. All right, thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.